I am Joel McLeod. I'm Ron Montana. And welcome to the 905er. Earlier this year in May, the Halton Catholic District School Board made headlines internationally for deciding not to raise the pride flag at its schools, despite overwhelming support from teachers, students, and parents to do so. That debate was marked by being a highly contentious one amongst its board members, with tactics by a minority of the board members resulting in the meeting ending before a decision could be made and forcing a special meeting to be called. Rather than that being an isolated event, the behavior exhibited during that meeting has become standard at subsequent meetings. Board meetings have ended without accomplishing many items on the agenda, and many of the debates uh, evolving into arguments over minutiae and bad faith behavior. It has gotten so bad that chair of the board, Pat Murphy, has taken the extraordinary steps to call in a third party to evaluate the conduct of board members. That report was tabled in early September. In the report, the board is described as being dysfunctional with a minority of trustees engaging in, and I quote here, dilatory behavior to derail meetings and simple discussions ending up in accusations of misconduct against board members and board staff and a general breakdown in decorum at the school board. It does not paint a good picture of the board. In the description, it seems that no no one on the board gets along and that they are increasingly at odds with each other and are unable to get the business of the board completed. We've been covering this story and focusing on the school board for quite some time, and we wanted to reach out to the chair of the board, Pat Murphy, whom we've had on the podcast numerous times before, to come on and discuss the report and what he views is the next steps for the Halton Catholic School Board to resolve this issue. Now, before we begin, I'd like you to consider to support us by joining our Patreon or by buying us a coffee. Your generous donation will help us continue to grow the 905er and to keep focusing on the stories and issues that are most important to you here in the region. You can find links to both of those sites on our show notes, and we highly encourage you to do so. But for now, please enjoy the episode. Well, I would like to welcome back to the 905er, uh, HCDSB School Board Chair Patrick Murphy to discuss interesting developments at the uh, at the school board in the last in the last few months uh, as our, our listeners will remember from our, our opener and if you've been paying attention the Halton Catholic School Board introduced an interesting plan to bring in a third party examiner to examine the, the conduct of the board's trustee makeup in, the, in their bylaws and, and and whatever have you to see but the the conduct of the board Pat uh, thanks for coming back on the podcast to discuss this. And um, why don't we just kick it off with you maybe explaining, uh, as the person who introduced this motion at the school board, what is the reasoning behind asking this third party to come in and and examine the conduct of the board? Uh, well, thank you for in- inviting me on today and, and having me back. Um, so this is the third year of our four-year mandate. And, and from the beginning of, of our mandate, we had eight uh, newly elected trustees. Um there's there's been a lot of contentious uh, issues and and um, challenges in getting the business of the board done, and that started started from day one. And we have done various uh, training sessions and professional development sessions, and and uh, things were not getting any better. Uh, so in my role as the chair, 
um, I had to um, to try and and uh, make sure that we're effective, uh, make sure that uh, we're using our resources correctly, make sure that we're that uh, the public who who uh, is giving us a substantial amount of money to educate our children has confidence in what we're doing. And, and I saw that uh, eroding as in a challenge. So I thought it was important to, um, to have a third party come in and give us a lay of the land, hold up, hold up a mirror to all trustees and say, as an impartial observer, this is what I see. Um, there were some specific issues that, that we asked for. There was, uh, you know, there was uh, allegations against uh, bias, uh, the way that I run a meeting and, and there was some um, allegations that staff was not doing things properly. Well, well, we can't have that in a, in a publicly funded uh, institution that, that can't be, that can't go unaddressed. So, so that needed to be addressed. I was more than happy if, if I'm the problem, by all means, I can, I can, uh, you know, refuse myself and fade into the sunset. Um, if I'm on the right path and I'm doing what I should be doing and I, and I am impartial and I am, uh, you know, basically the chair is a referee. The chair doesn't create the rules. The chair doesn't have ultimate authority. The chair just has to impartially apply the rules. So if I'm doing that, then I can continue on that path. And and, um, and that gives some reassurance. Um, but the other aspect was it was for all trustees to be able to to have an objective view on how they're conducting themselves to give them time to reflect. Um, and if there was solutions that this third party investigator could come up with to help us, then we should look at those, discuss them, and then adopt them uh, as uh, as a group. So so that's really, uh, I was at the point where I felt uh, that we, we needed to have that objective view. Well, we, I, I did read the, uh, the report that was provided uh, to the board when it, when it was tabled. Um, there, there was a couple of notes that stood out to me from the report. And one, one was that the, the the auditor that you that you hired pointed out that on many action items that the board needs to vote on, right now the board is typically voting on a five to four split. That that's typically how that how these uh, votes come come down. So there's clear that there's a there is a majority to push forward an agenda of some sort in the board. Yet you know we're still seeing a lot of the board behave the board meetings going over the allotted time. There, there's a lot of special board meetings to be to be called back, so uh, to just carry on the regular agenda, nothing, nothing even like controversial. It's just the regular business of the board. I'm wondering if this five-four majority is is existing. Like, why why is the business of the board not getting done? Can you maybe kind of give us a little bit of insight into that? Well, well, the business is getting done. It's it's just being done uh, with with more effort and more time and and more resources. But the business is getting done because then that's why we're having the special meetings. Uh, you know, the question is, does it have to go this way? And, and, and my opinion would be no, there, there are other ways to do it. But I, I think it's important to, to recognize that um, the third party exam, uh, third party investigation was, was fairly astute in that, you know, look at it from the mind, if you want to call it majority and minority, um, for lack of a better way of describing it at this point. Um, look at it from the minority's point. If if they uh, think their voice isn't being heard, if they don't feel that they're being valued, then there is potential that um, behavior could could change. So, so I think that's that's important. I think it it I'm not trying to lay blame or say is it right or is it wrong. It's a reality, um, and and that's not what 
the board is supposed to be. So uh, trustees are supposed to be honest brokers. We're supposed to come to the table with the expectation that we are going to listen to other people's point of view. We're going to negotiate and we're going to make concessions. Um, so, okay, so that's that, really that that, what it's supposed to be. And and I think I think there's something in that uh, point, which the third party investigator had, had brought up. Well, I mean, that that's how every uh, uh, government body uh, is supposed to act. I mean, you can have that freedom of, of dissent and, and contrary points of view. But the, the other point that I thought was stood out to me from the report was uh, major problems that, that were identified as uh, quote-unquote dilatory behavior on the part of uh, the, well, let's be honest, the four uh, uh, minority trustees. Uh, and it, he singled out behavior such as constant, constantly amending motions being brought forward, points of order and appeals on those points of order uh, on your decision as chair, that it, it starts to prolong meetings long, bef- long before or, or longer than, than needed. And it's behavior that's intended to kind of, well, quote, lack of a better term, just run down the clock. And I, I want to know, as chair, do you, do you consider this kind of behavior, uh, bad faith behavior on the part of these trustees conducting this behavior? Uh, and, uh, you know, what, what, what do you think the, should be done about this? So the, um, the, the reality of uh, the way that it is structured is we cannot question the intent of another trustee. So it makes it very difficult. If I'm not allowed to question their intent, then how can I say if they're delaying on purpose? They have a right. They have sort of, at, at some point, you have to make that call. So what helped me from the third party investigation was in the way that he restructured his response, said, okay, this gives you, Mr. Chair, this gives you some guidelines. Clearly, once you get to this point, you have grounds to state that that's dilatory. Now, the, the only tools I have are to you know publicly reprimand, to uh, remove, uh, to take the floor away from them so they're not allowed to speak, or worst case scenario is have them removed from the meeting. That's, that's, those are the only choices that I have. So, and as you can imagine, removing somebody from a meeting is, is, is very extreme. And it's not something that as a chair, I want to do it built and it builds bad faith. And it, um, there's many reasons not to do it, but if you have to, if I have to do it, I have to do it. So, um, it makes it very challenging when you you don't have ultimate authority. So everything that the chair does can be um, uh, can be overruled by by other trustees. It, it can be um, you know and it could be could be voted on. Um, so you're basically, for lack of a better way of describing it, the, a referee in a in a hockey game. And you can you can call penalties. You can put people in a penalty box. You can throw them out of the game. That's it. You can't unilaterally change the rules. You can't unilaterally suspend somebody. You can't do any of those. And everything you do can be appealed. So it it it's not surprising that these things happen. Uh, and those are the provincial rules. They're not. I mean, you, the rules are set by by the province, and you have to go by them. Is that is that correct? Or do you, are you able to kind of? Um set your own rules of procedure to an extent? Uh, the, the Education Act sets uh, certain rules and, and basically then overall it states that you are, every board is self-governed. Um, so being being self-governed, um, yes, you have freedom, but you also have some some real challenges uh, in that there is, I, we can't bring a dispute to a judge. So, you know, we have to, um, and, 
and everything can be appealed. So, so you're now getting into a situation where he said, she said, you know, then it, it has to go to the board of trustees to be to be voted on. Uh, it can be appealed. Um, so you're really almost in a circular argument, and there's nobody overseeing it to to stop it. So, so that's why a lot of times the, it doesn't get taken to to that degree. So um, it, it's very challenging in those in those respects. And you need, I mean, you're not able to say it, but I mean, I can say that, you know, any committee, any board, any parliament, any legislature needs a certain amount of good faith on the part of the people who are there to to recognize when they've lost, if you like. It's like, well, okay, we disagree on this. There's so many votes on this side and there's so many votes on that. We've had a good discussion about it. We've all raised our points and the other guys have won. Okay, that's fine. We'll vote on it, and that's, and then we can move on to the next thing. It seems strange that things would be so heated at a school board level, and I'm wondering if, if it's possible for you to kind of, you know, what is the division about ultimately? If there are uh, broadly, if there have broadly been five board members on one side and four on the other, what what's kind of at the root of it? Is it about finance? Is it about, is it the religious component entirely, or? Um, uh, or, or what's kind of given rise to this? Uh, that's very difficult for me as chair to be able to comment on. Uh, I, I would say that um, when you have nine uh, independently elected officials, um, many who who run very contentious campaigns within a region, that contention gets brought to the board table and gets amplified and um uh you know i i think i think you can put those pieces together and and as you said there has to be um there has to be good faith brought into it and it's the will of of this board and every board to be able to to function and and to be able to um uh you don't have to we don't have to like each other we don't have to um, send each other Christmas cards, but we have to function. So it's strictly well, because the, the rules won't guide us there. The only thing that will guide us is goodwill on part of all members to get there. Well, on, on that note then, uh, Chair Murphy, let me ask you this. Do you think that the board gets along uh, as they are right now? No, like you, you can't. You couldn't. The, the most optimistic person in the world could not could not say that. And honestly, it's, it, it's not important. I don't want to say it's not important that we don't that people don't get along. Um, you know, if, if you're respectful and you disagree in a respectful way, and the odd time it bubbles up and bubbles down, and you apologize or or you you say something that is uh, you shouldn't have, or um, I think people respect that, and 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 that's that's fine. Um, I don't I don't think it's important that that we like each other. I think it's important we respect each other. And I think it's important that we understand the gravity of what we've been awarded with to steward and protect. Uh, and that should impact how we react and temper our uh, what we say and what we do. Well, I mean, I, I've been watching and leading up to this interview and over the course of, uh, of the, the past year, we've been watching your your meetings live. And I can, I can say that the... the the behavior of some of the trustees, we, I won't name them, but some of the trustees, it's, it is rather quite childish. Um, I've, I've never, I mean, I've, I've never seen, I can't imagine this conduct happening at Queen's Park or in, in Parliament. I mean, I, they're not the bastions of civil discourse by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, the, the, the behavior is quite, 
it's quite absurd. Uh, and to, for listeners who are not, uh, who, are, who are not watching as diligently as I, I am, I mean, we're talking about getting into the, the minutiae of, uh, you know, we, we can't even pass the agenda in some cases without getting into this back and forth rancor over the minutiae of obscure rules and rulings. And, and I mean, the last meeting, one trustee was talking about, we have to postpone the meeting because we should get a municipal lawyer involved to to make a, a ruling which like there's there's something happening here that's that's beyond just a a matter of professional disagreement or or a disagreement of policy and i'm just wondering what what, what exactly is it, it, it like is there a path forward that you can heal this divide do you think like what what how, how do you fix the next year so that board meetings can basically end on time well uh we're working on a, a pd session that will um will encompass most of the report. So um, part of that is is building consensus uh, and the ability to work together. Um, you know, part of it is on understanding what the real the role of the trustee because because that's another another aspect of um, trustees are policymakers. We are governors, you know the, so the saying is is um, nose in fingers out. So, our responsibility is to ask the question, make sure that the procedures, uh, the policies and procedures are being followed, making sure resources are being used properly. Our responsibility is to have a vision of the future and to, and to direct um, the director of education through his senior staff to where we, where we want to be. Our, our responsibility is not what's being served in the cafeteria for lunch is, is not why don't, why doesn't my child have a, a French teacher or all of those aspects of, of, well, the demands that parents expect or want from us um, versus what our actual job is. And, uh, you know, so part of it, part of the, the conflicts that I see also is, is understanding really what your what your role is. From a financial um, side, our role is to look at the audited statements and, and ask questions on the audit statements. Our role isn't to do the audit. Our role isn't to say, well, how come you have you hired 13 teachers? You should have only hired 10. That's a problem. When we start asking those questions, we're we're not doing what we should be doing. So so part of that PD session is is to um, to have that. And the other element is um, is bringing in uh, the faith element of uh, if if we have this commonality of of the same faith and and the faith teaches us to uh, to approach humanity and others a certain way. What are we doing in our practice to make sure we're we're living that faith, uh, and and that you know bringing in a bringing in um, you know one of our uh, chaplains or or uh, maybe even if the bishop is available himself to to come in and to have those conversations. Then it boils down to will. Is there the will to you know when any any conflict somebody has to be willing not to take the next shot. So somebody has to be willing, what? not with taking at them, to say okay. I'm not going to go there. Let's move forward. And, and what until that so happens, the question now is: so what? The question now is: what happens when that person doesn't back down? Because there are listeners to this podcast who are thinking of a few trustees in mind who are, you know, what happens when when what happens when the when the person needs to have the last word in, no matter what? Can can you still function as a board if that's going to be the atmosphere? Well, you, we you can function. We're functioning now. It's it's taking thirty percent more time. We're we're having one or two special meetings. Um, there's a great cost to doing it. There's a great 
cost to resources or a great cost to our personal lives, to our careers, to our family, when we're spending all of this extra time, there, there's, there's, there's personal cost into, you know, finishing a meeting at 1130 and your tension is up to here. So uh, we committed to do the job. We're, I committed to do the job. We're going to do the job. You, you, you can frustrate the, the business of the board. You can delay the business of the board. You're not going to stop the business of the board, right? So the business of the board is going to go forward. Um, it doesn't have to be this way, but if that's the way it is, then that's the way it is. And then when the, when the term is over, um, there's a new opportunity for, um, to do things differently. So the, there's, um, I mean, obviously, the the uh, most listeners, and, and certainly you know outside of uh, Halton, most the, the thing that really hit the headlines was, was the discussion over the pride flag. And um, I, oh, from your point of view, this is one story amongst many, but you know it got you know literally international attention when when that was when that meeting happened, or that two meetings I believe happened. Um, do you think that? I mean, really, do you think discussions of sexuality, gender, things like this actually have any business being discussed at a school board level? That's a that's a really good question because if if you look at it, the majority of the time that the board spends is on uh, non-academic issues. Um, you know, and, and part of that is there is um, you know, uh, it's downloading from the social structure of, of government and how things are paid for. Mental health is is a is a primary issue that school boards have to deal with. Um, you know, uh, the, the family unit or impacts of the family unit, equity amongst uh, access to technology, and all of those things, um, which which are happening in society, are really being uh, um, the school board is expected because we are publicly funded. Uh, we are expected to um, be involved in those issues. Where when I went to school. Uh, there was none of that, basically. So, so I think it, it, it's a, a change. It's a shift in society. Um, it's the minister. The Ministry of Education uh, expects it and requires it, and um, you know issues around social issues around equity and what have you. So, so it is a shift. It is a change. I think there is uh, generationally. If you look at it, there's there's uh, a, a mix of people at the table and some people it's obvious and it's normal and it's natural, of course. And others is, you know, that's, it's not reading, writing and arithmetic. Right. So, so I think um, you bring up a very interesting point that there is a shift and, and there's going to be a transition period where school boards have to find their way from what the expectation of parents is um, versus what we conceive or the or or the the resources the abilities you know we we can't be all things to all people but we definitely um there's a lot of crossover in in certain areas with society and and the reality is also society is polarized that is going to creep into uh the school board also but on that the notion of the pride flag debate you had to have two meetings to ultimately decide not to fly the flag at, at the at the board uh, buildings, uh, schools in the, in the board. Um, no other school board in the province had to have two meetings. If I miss, if I if I understand, and this kind of comes back to our, our topic today, is that why 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 was every other board able to kind of to have their debates? How and they had very vigorous debates. I'm thinking of Toronto uh, Catholic Board. Uh, they had their had their their debates and everything. 
and they managed to get a vote passed by the end of the night. Um, here in Halton Catholic, we had to we, we had the dilatory behavior running down the clock, and then we had to have a special meeting to come back. And again, that pride flag took up the entire length of debate. Why? Why is that the case? Why? Why is? Why do we just we cannot cannot have like a very passionate, vigorous debate, but we have the vote, and whatever the vote happens is it just we get into this rancor and and breakdown of discourse. Um, I'll, I'll indirectly answer your question. So, um, okay, specifically about the pride flag. Uh, be- so believe it or not, um, the issue never was brought to the board. Uh, it was never discussed at the board table. We had a, a student who um, who delegated to the board, very good presentation. That was the beginning of the questions. And then uh, there was a groundswell movement. Um, so other boards, Toronto Board, um, Waterloo, discussed this over many years. Um, so... You know, when when something doesn't come up through the system, so it was brought, yes, it was brought to us by a student, but that's the first time. Uh, we didn't have staff reports on it. We didn't we didn't have a uh, movement from within the system saying this is important to us. We didn't have parent councils coming to us saying this is important to us. Um, so we're basically at a position now where we have to go through to, to satisfy uh, that we're being responsible or making the right decision for the for our community, which is our schools and and the parents and and um, people associated with the school. Um, so when you have, and honestly, the amount of emails and correspondence was uh, incredible, over a thousand, fifteen hundred, eighteen, eighteen, or whatever, whatever the case may be. And and it was very clear there was two sides, um, absolutely not, and absolutely yes. There was nothing that was anywhere close to a common understanding. So through our discussions, we, we said, okay, if, if you're going to universally accept a symbol, then it has to be universally understood. This symbol is not universally understood. And I under, I understand there'll be people listening to this and saying, are you crazy? What are you talking about? But that's the reality of what the information we're getting from, from parents, from parish, from teachers, from principals on, on both sides. So, so what we thought was the responsible thing to do was then let's work towards educating our community. And it's our community. What happens in the rest of the world, I respect it, but that's not what our job is. We have to make decisions that are right for our schools. So let's work on educating, understanding, developing a common uh, knowledge. Then through our system, if it comes back that, yes, this is right for us, then we should be making those types of decisions. But until you went through that process, it was really difficult to make those that decision. One follow up uh, on this, and then I'm, uh, we can move on to something else. But looking uh, looking at the ground, the grassroots, this issue in particular with the pride flag and with uh, LGBTQ equality in the Catholic Halton Catholic School Board is not going away anytime soon. I'm, I'm confident that you, as a chair, know that there are a lot of parents and a lot of teachers and a lot of students who are very passionate about seeing progress being made on this file. I understand that there's no vote coming forward anytime soon on the on the calendar, but something like this is going to come up again. I will not be surprised if we see a similar motion put forward for next year's Pride Month. Uh, well, well, we have a what? report. 
coming back in January, right? Regarding, so okay. we have a report, so, requested a staff report to come back with what is the success of the program. We have, we committed to the program. We're committed to, um, to the program long-term. It wasn't a one-off. So we, we're expecting that report back in January. From that report, okay. it's going to go where it goes. Right? Uh, but I guess I guess my question is because coming back to the topic of today's episode of the division and the board, this is how, how do we avoid another you know two meeting long divisive a meeting on this topic again? And we can maybe just have uh, uh, one meeting where we can have have both sides come to the table. They can they can air their their agreements, but we can have a civil and productive meeting on this, and it doesn't degenerate into what we saw back in May. As chair, I'm, w- I'm wondering if you have any insights on ter- terms of how do we how do we fix that so that it's a better better meeting for all parties involved. Um, you're giving me questions that uh, I <laughs> I can answer I can answer over a beer, but not uh, not. Anything. <laughs> uh, well, that so, sounds like a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they're, they're, you know, I'm trying to, trying to find the, the right way to, to put these words together. Uh, the, the Board of Trustees is responsible for policy and not daily operation and not operation of the schools. Um, that's, I, I need you to fill in the blanks. Okay. Okay. I mean, obviously, I'm going to guess when you took on the job of chair, you didn't expect things to be quite this contentious. Um, and you know, ultimately, I think you said that there just simply needs to be that willingness to compromise and work together. And that's that's how every uh, public organization ultimately works is, is however much you disagree, there comes a point where you have to say, okay, this is this is where the rubber hits the road. But how much do you think these debates, I mean, I think... Theoretically, if um, the board had voted this year to raise pride flags, um, I'm guessing that it would have been pretty much a non-story in the media, uh, judging by the decisions that were made in some other school boards. Do you think that these kind of debates really harm your board in particular, but but the kind of reputation of the Catholic school boards in general? It harms all school boards. Um, it, it's it's a it's you know trustees. It's not necessarily Halton Catholic trustees. It's trustees. Um, it, it, har- it harms all of school boards. It, it harms publicly funded education, which, which, as you're aware, is a significant portion of the of the Ontario budget. Um, the I I would, in my opinion, speaking as a trustee, not as a chair, uh, if the debate at the table would have been different regarding the pride flag, there would not have been uh, these this the the media attention and the pushback and and the up- upheaval. I, I think it the nature of the discussion uh, made it seem like there was um, aggression towards the community, which which I in my heart I don't believe exists. I truly don't believe it. I think it I think it was an opportunity to have a uh, you know to have to have a, a fight, and um, and neither side was going to back down, and and they rode you know it, it's I always like the proverb of the. Uh, the frog and the scorpion, right? Where the where the scorpion's on the frog's back says, "I won't sting you." They cross the river, and then the scorpion stings him. Says, "It's my nature." If it's your nature to to <laughs> fight 
to win at all odds, that's a problem. That's going to be a challenge. It's going to be an ongoing problem. Uh, the role of the chair then is to make sure business gets done and make sure that you you mitigate as much damage uh, as you can. Uh, the positive is that we're, we're arm's length from the operation, daily operation of the schools. We have fantastic senior management and, and principals and teachers. My children are in the school. Uh, they're so happy to be back in class. Their teachers are wonderful. Uh, everything is engaged. Uh, so this, this little bubble that we're in um, is not going to impact to any great extent our students and, and, um, and the knowledge and, and their, their learning. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. It's just going to take longer. Um, I, I see we're coming up on a, well, we've passed the half hour, uh, half hour mark. So I'm thinking we're going to wrap this up. Uh, but I do want to, I want to ask you one final question, give you the final word, uh, chair Murphy. And the, the question is, is a simple one, just with the current conduct of the board and, and, and having this, you know, a third party auditor come in to evaluate the conduct, what, what do you have to say to parents, the students and teachers who are questioning their confidence in the ability of the board to uh, to to get what needs to be done done uh, currently. Well, it it work. As I said, the work is getting done. Uh, and very important um, motions are being passed. We're we're starting uh, an equity audit. Um, well ahead of many many boards in the province, uh, which is going to be a um, uh, you know a seismic change to potentially to a lot of our policies and, and what we do and will guide us for the next the next period of time. We we are working on our strategic plan. We're going to start our bylaw reviews. Um, so if it takes us two special meetings a month, it, it takes us two special. We're we're going to get the work done. It nobody will stop the business of the board. Um, will it, will it necessarily be pretty? No, but the work will get, will get done and very important, um, matters are, we're, are being dealt with. We're, we, you know, we're society. There's a lot of change in, in our society in the last two years. Uh, and, um, we're trying to keep up with that. And I think it's on our radar. So, um, we, um, we will get there. It's, it's going to take maybe longer than it should, uh, but we will get there in the end. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to extend our I'm gonna extend our interview by one question because it just I, I think it would be good to just dive into that very briefly to, to almost give you uh, an opportunity to talk about um, what comes next for the board. Now, when you talk about you know you're, you're looking at equity and things like that, can you explain that for further sort of non-involved listener or? Uh, people like me who <laughs> maybe don't pay attention when they should, what exactly that means and, 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 and what would change and what's being discussed? So we're, we're, um, we're engaging um, um, a third-party company that specializes in doing equity audits. So an equity audit, they will look at everything from your hiring practices, all of your policies, how you conduct business, um, everything relating to every function within your organization under uh, an equitable lens. So are there systemic barriers? Well, logically, there is in every, you know, we're a, we're a, a, a colony that has developed into to what we are today. So obviously, there is there is some issues there. You know, when we, we look around uh, the boardroom table, do we see diversity? So what can we do there? Um, all, all of those aspects are on the table. 
everything is open. And then this equity audit will come back with recommendations. Uh, and then um, the board will will have to um, to go through that and, and accept changes or make changes to policies and, and what have you. So um, everything from recruiting, hiring policies, how are uh, internal disputes uh, handled? All of those issues will be will be reviewed from somebody who is obviously an expert in, in that field and will in, now will inform us uh, of where we need to change to uh, to make sure we're we're better. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Chair Murphy, for taking the time to come on the, the podcast tonight or, or today. Uh, we wish you all the best of luck in your uh, future endeavors and uh, stay in touch. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. I notice I'm 100, episode 100, so I was expecting a small cake or something, but yes, <laughs> maybe next time. Yeah. Well, very small cake, but yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Well, that is something to celebrate for sure. Anyway, well, thank care. you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.